Community Church Online. My name is Katawa Kato, and I am the Creative Media Director. We're so glad that you joined us today. This past weekend, God did so many amazing things at our outdoor Christmas celebration. He is still king. If you missed the show, don't worry, we've got you covered. The live recording is available on our YouTube channel as well as our website. While you're on YouTube, do me a favor. Please subscribe to our channel. That way, you won't miss any of the new videos that we post. Speaking of new videos, we'll be live streaming our Eve service this Thursday at 4 p.m. from the Worship Arts Center of Columbus. You will not want to miss this. One last reminder, we will not be meeting in person for the remainder of the year. However, our giving options are still the same. You can give through our website, our app, or you can mail in a check that's postmarked before December 31st. I think we got everything. Church, thank you again for joining us today. Now it's time to worship the Lord. God is still God. Uh, the anniversary of the birth of Christ still happens, but here we are. And maybe what we realized was that probably this year, maybe more than any year I can think of in the recent past, we need to celebrate. Would you agree with that? We need to celebrate. We need to, we need to gather. glad we went to He is Still King. Such a wonderful COVID safe celebration. Thank you Vista Community Church for the amazing music, felt testimonies, and messages totally worthy of horn honking and light flashing applause. That was my child's favorite part. <laughs> All from the safe comfort of our van. He is still king, even in the midst of all this craziness. Can we turn one light toward the people that matter the most in this parking lot right now? <laughs> Just one. I'll get this. Hold on a second. Here's one right here. Can you see that? Am I hitting you with that? Yes. Even in the back, even in the back, you matter. You matter to God. He's searching for you. We watched tonight online from our home in Austin, Texas. We loved it and miss Vista very much. I so wish I could have been up there on stage, holding a mic, bobbing up and down, off key, but with great enthusiasm. You did a wonderful job improvising a program under such unique and challenging circumstances. Bravo to all the Vista performers. You truly brought joy to my family. It will be a Vista performance we will always remember watching from our cars. What an amazing show. Thank you for having something that is COVID safe and reminds people of the love of God. You guys are special people. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh 
accept this offering of our hearts, of our song in this season, Jesus, where we celebrate. Lord, rise up in us songs, songs of redemption, songs of glory in your name as you accept our hearts. Will you just accept our heart, take our heart? And seal it into your kingdom for your name, for your glory, for your honor. You know, in this season, it feels like a lot of waiting. It feels like a lot of waiting this year. I mean, in waiting times, it often feels dark in those places. It feels silent. It must have been what they were feeling in those days and weeks and months and really years before Jesus stepped into this earth is the darkness and the quiet of the wait. And I know a lot of us have felt that this year is the, is the silent feeling in the wait. But then he came, heaven came running. And then nothing has changed today in the fact that he comes running and he opens up heaven to us. He opens up the gates of heaven with mercy and redemption and love and peace and safety and calm. So if that's you this morning, just open your arms to that. Open your arms and your heart. Because we sang open up the heavens and Lord, we just ask that you will open up the heavens even now and just pour out, pour out the peace in the middle of the wait. Maybe we're waiting for something today. Maybe we're being still and knowing that you are God. Lord, we know that you don't cease to come running with peace and strength because you are King of Kings and we so we praise you today. We praise you for who you are, our King. From heaven you came running 
there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophet to a virgin came the word from the throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt let's praise the father praise the father praise the son that you have given us so generously and all we have to do is receive it we just receive it and we have to remember that no matter how dark the days are no matter how hopeless we may feel that your light can never be squelched that it will never go out so we just thank you Lord and we praise you 
help us to remember that. Help us to remember to hold our lights high, to hold on to your true hope. We thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. It was a dark time for the people of God. They were under the rule of the Roman Empire. The king that Rome placed over Judea, Herod, was a tyrant whose allegiance was more to Rome than to the God of the Jews. Additionally, there were four religious groups with competing ideals fracturing the nation of Israel, causing unceasing tensions and riots. There were no prophets in those days. God had been silent, seemingly blind to the needs of his people. It was a time of darkness. Centuries earlier, Isaiah had prophesied that in a time of darkness, there would be a great light. A child would be born and the government would be upon his shoulders. God's people had long awaited the coming of this Messiah. Some waited prayerfully, some with skepticism, and some were ready to take the reins into their own hands in an attempt to take back their nation. And then it happened. Prophecies of old began to unfold. Fresh, divine moments began to take place among God's chosen ones. A soon-to-be husband and wife from the insignificant town of Nazareth each had similar encounters with an angel. They were told that the Holy Spirit would come over Mary and she would conceive and give birth to a son. They were to name him Jesus, Son of the Most High. Was God preparing salvation for a dark and broken world? Would this be the one called Emmanuel, God with us? Could this be the Messiah? Yes, I'm pretty sure the answer to that is yes. That video begs the question, is is he the Messiah? And we have come to understand that he is. He is. There, There is so much that pointed to that moment in time. So much that has happened since that moment in time that there really is no denying that Jesus was the Son of God the Savior of the world, the one who would come and stand in the gap for the sins of all of humanity, the one whom millions and millions of people over thousands of years have trusted as their Savior and their King. Millions of people, even today in the world, confess Christ as their Savior, their King. (laughs) And then there's days in our life where we forget that. I don't know how something so profound can be forgotten. I, I understand that I might forget where I put my keys. I understand that occasionally I actually might even forget to eat a meal. I might forget an anniversary. I might forget an appointment. But the fact that we can occasionally forget what we believe (laughs) at the core of who we are is almost beyond my comprehension. But it's true. Christians have to, what theologians have said throughout history, have to preach the gospel to themselves. Right? Preachers and pastors and ministers, good ones anyway, are preaching the gospel every day and every week. And we understand as Christians that to preach the gospel is to live out the gospel. It's not just simply words. It's, it's what we do with our lives. Words often matter. Sometimes they don't. It's what you do that speaks the loudest. But we have to preach the gospel to ourselves because we so quickly forget 
we can very quickly be distracted. We have to remind ourselves that Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That baby that was born 2,000 years ago grew up and was installed officially, ordained by heaven to be king of all things. We have to remember what Paul wrote to the church in Colossia, that Jesus, the physical manifestation of God Almighty, through him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through him and by him. We have to remind ourselves of these things, that he is before all things and in him all things hold together, that he's the head of the body, so that in all things he might be given the highest place. How could we ever forget such things? But we do. We have to constantly preach the gospel to ourselves and remind ourselves what Paul says to the Ephesians. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we had no capacity to escape the wrath of God due us because of our arrogance and our distrust. That it's by grace we have been saved, not by works. We have to constantly remind ourselves of these things. We say, he is still king. That regardless of the global pandemic, or anything that is personally tragic, we still trust the sovereignty of God and the rescue of Jesus, our King, in our life. We remind ourselves of these things. This is what's true. This is what we believe. So we say it to ourselves. But we got to be careful that we're not lying to ourselves. We don't want to be hypocritical. We don't want to say, this is what I believe, this is what's true, but then not truly believe it. And it doesn't take a sophisticated reading of the history of God's people to notice the cyclical nature of our devotion, our trust, our faith, in anything really, but even in God. We tend to drift. We tend to go astray. We tend to be susceptible to the allure of other things that are vying for our attention and our hearts. So we don't just go through the mantra, this is what I believe, this is what I believe, this is what I believe. It's good to do. But what if we've drifted and we're trusting something other than God? The statement that we make to ourselves he is still king, begs the question, is he? Is he still king? The humble among us recognize we could be off course, that our devotions could be misdirected. And we hear Jesus' challenge to his people in the first century Today, in this century, in our own minds, in our own hearts, we hear these words personally from Jesus. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. Jesus was talking to the people of God. He's saying, stop trusting other kings. Stop giving your hearts to other causes. The king and the kingdom of all, and he's referring to himself, is available to you. This is where we ended last week. True and lasting goodness 
harmony, beauty, will only ever be found through the abandonment of all of our earthly alliances instead for a citizenship of heaven and only one king, Jesus, in our life. Do we, do you, have earthly kings that need to be abandoned? Is your heart devoted to something other than Jesus? I would appeal to you to take that question very seriously. Christian hearts and lives are hijacked by the hundreds of thousands of times a year or a day or whatever into innumerable compelling loyalties that might share some particular aspects of Christian ministry or work, but ultimately compete with the call of Christ. We often find ourselves committing to causes that have something similarly associated with what God calls us to, but those kingdoms and those loyalties and those movements and causes oftentimes compete with the call of Christ. The best earthly leaders, the best agendas promise the sorts of healing and beauty, and peace, and unity that only Jesus can offer. The world is always offering us what our heart deeply desires. Peace, and goodness, and beauty. And, but without Jesus as leader, the scriptures tell us, Jesus himself tells us that those causes instead ultimately, no matter what they promise and no matter how good they might be at some degree, compete with Jesus. Earthly causes almost always compel us to stand tall. Jesus calls us to stoop down. Earthly leaders say, rise up. And Jesus says, no, help others rise up. Earthly causes promise us gain. Jesus calls us to loss. Earthly causes profess to use power for good. Jesus says, what is good is to give up your power. Earthly leaders manipulate your behavior as part of what it means to belong. Right? To belong to some, some earthly agenda means to contribute to them manipulating your behavior. Otherwise, you're going to be canceled or kicked out. But Jesus adopts us, you unconditionally and forgives your behavior. Earthly leaders seek to defeat the opponents of injustice. And Jesus demonstrated a willingness to suffer unjustly. No matter how good our aspirations, no matter good our allegiances, no matter how good the cause Ultimately, for things to be successful in this world, they have to gravitate away from the ways of Jesus. Is Jesus your king? Do we have kings in need of abandoning? We do. It's the way our heart goes. Our heart is always susceptible. How do you know 
where your heart is being tricked? How do you know where your heart is being divided? How do you know where your heart is being lured away? How can we discover where our earthly passions and involvements, loyalties and allegiances are unhealthy? Well, we go where Jesus leads us to find the core of our misguided lives. We go where Jesus always directs people to go. We look where Jesus says to look to know where we are off course, our heart. Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Store up treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Prophet Jeremiah says, for God, he, you seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Don't worship any other God, says in Exodus. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. And then Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 says, Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. This isn't a, this isn't a call to um, uh, purity in a physical sense or even an emotion. This is a single-eyed sort of purity. Blessed are those who are single-eyed in their devotion. They will see God. You see here, it's about our heart being fully committed to God. No other allegiances, no other kings, no other alliances. Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. You can't. God wants our heart. All of it. Your devotion, purely. Your attention, undivided. And when we look closely at our heart, we find that they are most always, even unwittingly, attached to earthly kings in need of abandoning. Where is your heart? Well, the simplest way to discover where your heart is, honestly, is to ask two people. Ask two people. Ask someone you know really well, and then ask somebody that you're merely an acquaintance with. And ask them things like this. What do I talk about most of the time? What's most important to me? What do I love? Only the brave among you will go to an acquaintance and ask those sorts of questions because you'll get the truth. And you'll want to argue with them. And say, no, 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 that's not what I talk about. No, no, that's not what, let me tell you what's the most important. No, let me tell you what I love. Instead, you should be thinking, wow. This is what my life reflects to someone who doesn't know me very well and someone who does. The simplest way to find out where your heart is is to ask somebody. The next easiest way, just like everything else in this world, follow the money trail. Where do you put your resources? Where do you put your money? Where do you put your time? Write it out. Ask. Secondly, we inventory our own heart. When we look at our own heart, we spend time in prayer. We ask the Spirit to shine the light in our heart, and we say, where is my heart? How is my heart? And this is kind of cool. You, you can, we can go to the birth story. Perfect timing, right? We're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus here in just a few days. And when you look at the birth story, at least the one in Matthew chapter 2, we see a story about kings. We see King Herod. We see these three magi that are often referred to as kings. And we see the baby Jesus 
who we know has been sent to be king. And we can look at each one of those kings and learn something about how our hearts work. We can learn something about what happens in our lives when our hearts are divided or not. So let's spend just a little bit of time looking at this. I'm going to read through Matthew chapter 2, at least the first 12 verses here. And then we'll talk briefly about how each one of those kings teach us a little something about our own heart. Here's Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Hey, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. (laughs) And all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law... He asked them where the Messiah was going to be born. And they said, in Bethlehem, in Judea. For this is what the prophet has written. And then they quote the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh and have been warned in a dream and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Okay, the context here gives us a little bit of insight into our heart right off the bat. We notice that Jerusalem is occupied. They're under the rule and and oppression of a foreign nation. And this is what always came about when the people of God failed to trust God as their king. Habitually, the people of God, just like you and me, have always trusted other kings and other things. You see, all through the Old Testament, kings making treaties with foreign kings for good reason, usually to provide some sort of protection or safety or security from their enemies. But they did these things in opposition to God's appeal to them to trust him alone. God repeatedly warned them against trusting other kings, against making treaties, building and creating ties with other, becoming dependent on other kings and other nations. It is, in the Old Testament history, some of the most consistent and grievous sins of God's people. Their willingness to just trust earthly kings for, their, for the things that they need, quite honestly. And our own lives reflect these foreign occupations, these alliances. The involvements and the strategies that we have to secure safety and comfort are those kinds of alliances. The kinds of strategies and involvements that we have to secure stuff that we have or to get the stuff that we want. The strategies and the involvements and the alliances that we make are just like these foreign occupations when we try to do the things that we do to control our situation or our circumstances. The movements and the purposes and the aspirations and the causes and the strategies and the leaders with whom we align and belong are usually for, for the purposes of something we don't 
think God can do for us. We don't trust him. So we make our own way. We connect our lives with other things. We build safety nets just in case. But when we do that, we only ever get the same as the people of God ever got when they make those moves. We become owned by them. We become controlled by the very things we are looking to to help us be in control. We stay away and stray away from the protection and provision of God. Let me give you a couple of examples of some things we do that often reflect a lack of trust in God. And I'm going to tell you right now, when I say these things, you're going to disagree. You might even defend your position in these places by saying, no, it's only rational to do that. It only makes sense to do that. It would be irresponsible for me not to take those measures, which is exactly what the Old Testament people would say when they decided to trust other kings. We're going to be crushed by that enemy. It only makes sense if this people, these people over here are willing to join forces with us to fight them off. It only makes sense. What can seem rational, what can seem responsible, can oftentimes grow into something that is entirely unhealthy, that we are completely dependent upon, other than God. Here's a couple. Your savings account. Your retirement We have a great deal of peace in our heart, or so we think, when we have enough financial resources for what we imagine we want in our future. Insurance policies. Protection against some future problem. Investments into things like market strategies and even weight loss strategies, right? We trust in these things to bring about something in our life that makes us feel better, more secure, more capable, stronger. Security systems and firearms give us a sense of security and safety. And comfort, business alliances, political activism, even sports team allegiances. You think about this, right? How much do we get from our sports teams when they're winning? How good do we feel about ourselves, our sense of importance, competence, our own value by attaching ourselves to other winners in the world? How about this example of something that reflects a heart that doesn't fully trust God. Hanging out with unenjoyable, powerful friends. <laughs> you ever do that? You don't, like, you don't like this person at all. But they have some capacity to either protect you or give you access to something. So you're hanging out with people you don't even like. Because they have some capacity to provide something that gives you what you need. There is so much in our life that when it's out of balance and out of control, takes the place of God. The context of this first century moment the people of God at the time of Jesus' birth reminds us of our natural tendency of our fearful hearts to trust other things that ultimately occupy us and own us. But we can learn some things specifically about our heart from Herod. Herod was a bad king. He had a selfish heart. Right? As soon as a little baby was born and a prophecy was connected, that baby might be a king. He was disturbed. And it says, so was all of Jerusalem. 
Why was Jerusalem disturbed? We understand why Herod might be disturbed. Jerusalem was disturbed because when Herod got disturbed, their lives got miserable. Herod was disturbed. He was distressed. Because what he had, what he had secured, was possibly under threat. When what we have secured is threatened... When the stock market fluctuates, when our favored political leaders wobble or don't get their position, when our savings accounts dwindle, when you're trusting them, you will find an inescapable and disproportionate anxiety. A Christian whose heart is fully devoted to Jesus understands the sovereignty of God and the capacity for God to protect and provide no matter what is unfazed by the ebbs and flows and changes and disappointments and tragedies and upheavals of this world. But the one whose heart is invested and depending on those things reflects a heart that is divided. And we can see it by the anxiety that shows up in our lives. Herod called his counsel in secret. Yeah, when you start living your life in secret, you can be almost guaranteed your heart is divided, if not completely strayed away from God. When you start hiding your decisions, when you start hiding your internet histories, when you start hanging out with other friends unbeknownst to your good friends, When you start hiding your addictions, when you start hiding, when you start living in secret, it is a signal that your heart is no longer trusting God. Jesus isn't king when your life becomes secret. Herod said, make sure you come back and tell me where the baby is so I can worship too. And we know now, that's a lie. He didn't want to worship him. He wants to wipe him out. He wants to kill him. He wants to take him out. Any kind of worship that Herod might have feigned to get closer to that baby is a hypocrisy deep within his heart. When your Christianity, when your life, when your moral positions, your words, your attendance, your tithe is for show, When you talk about your morality, when you talk about your faith, when you let people know about your service and the charitable things that you're involved in, but you do those things for reasons other than the good of all and the glory of God, when you're doing them for your own sense of Well-being, you're a hypocrite. And when you're a hypocrite, you're not trusting God. Jesus is not your king. Herod shows us what a heart looks like when it's committed to self, when it's trusting something other than God. It's anxious, it's done in secret, and it's hypocritical. Don't allow the anxieties of your life, the secrecies of your life, and the hypocrisies of your life to go unchecked. Don't say to yourself, well, I'm just a little anxious. Oh, I've just got a few little things in secret. Oh, I've been hypocritical in just a couple of... No, don't allow for it. Those are the the slippery slopes that lead you away from your devotion, lead you away from your trust, lead you away from your king. Jesus says, repent, repent of your earthly kings. And trust me, only me 
Where's your heart? Here's what we learn from the Magi, who I don't know where their faith was, but they seem to be demonstrating some sort of step toward this baby, this prophetic arrival. But we do see in the Magi men that were devoted. So we can get some clues as to what a devoted heart looks like. Here's it says, after honoring the baby king, they, they took a new route. They took a new route. They didn't go home by the same route that they came here. They didn't go home by the route that they knew that was familiar, that they could predict. The reality is a devoted heart, a heart that's following Jesus, oftentimes finds itself in unfamiliar waters. It finds itself in a place of uncertain future. When your heart is devoted to Jesus, you should expect to see and you should expect to be led where you've never been before. Where you've been afraid to go. To work on things that are overdue to be worked upon. The devoted heart should expect a certain degree of uncertainty. that requires faith in the one who led you there. If your life is predictable, comfortable mostly, you have to go, "Mm." Faith is the confidence, the Hebrew writer says, in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. Christian life that finds itself in uncertain places and unpredictable places, probably, probably devoted to the one that led them there. The heart that's devoted to Jesus is going to be a heart and a life that requires faith. If your life is not requiring faith in him and what you can't see, But all your faith is in all these other things that we've talked about. You can generally believe that you're divided in your heart. Secondly, the Magi gave their best treasures. As much as we don't understand what myrrh and frankincense is, back in the day it was just like gold if not better. They gave their their very, very best. A heart that trusts Jesus is a heart that keeps its grip loosened on the things of this world. It trusts God for its provision. It presumes that all that we have is God's and it is for the giving. The heart trusting God with Jesus as king views itself as a river of blessing, a conduit for all that we have, not a pool in which we're to collect whatever comes our way, whether from God or elsewhere. It always pours its cup out, fully confident that God will endlessly be capable of filling it. If you want to know if you've got a pure heart, an undivided heart, a heart that's trusting God, believing Jesus is king, watch the strength of your grip on the stuff that's yours. A loose grip on the resources of our life indicate a heart trusting God. They were led by a dream. They were available to be guided by the inexplicable. A dream. And it's worth noting that with Jesus as king, we live with a degree of mystery. Not too different from uncertainty. It's mystery. It's not always explainable. God isn't always explainable. He doesn't always seem rational to us. He can often seem irrational, unexplainable. Paul reminds us that we live now by the Spirit. Well, we say that fairly familiarly in Christian circles, but we are following an unseeable entity of God that guides our heart. That's pretty mysterious. I 
where a selfish heart is going to be anxious and secretive and hypocritical. A devoted heart is going to be comfortable in uncertainty. It's going to be generous, and it's going to be okay with mystery. And we can learn a few things, of course, from the baby Jesus, the king that arrived. You're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus, many of you, at least, in a few days. You're going to celebrate this one that uh, that was destined and became king. And I'm going to compel you that when you look at that birth story, you read that story, or you see a nativity scene, or you reflect upon that first moment, that you see a few things that remind us about the devotion of our heart. It says, the star went ahead of them. And we look at that baby, and we know the whole story now. We know that baby came with a mission to unjustly suffer for the forgiveness of human sin. And we remember the gospel when we see that baby. We remember that we can't actually embrace him as king or join into the, uh, enter into that kingdom the way we are. And that there's nothing we can do about it. We know that it is by faith alone in the work that that baby eventually did, that star that went before us, that puts us in right standing with God, reconciles us to Him, and gives us the capacity to make Jesus our King. We remember what Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. And we remember when we see that baby, he cures it. He stands in the gap. He fixes it. Paul says to the church in Rome, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth Jesus as Savior and King. When we see that baby, We remember that star that went before us and we remember the gospel and our heart becomes realigned. You look at that baby and you see utter simplicity. There's nothing elaborate about that birth. There's nothing elaborate about his parents. There's nothing elaborate about the birthplace. There's nothing fancy going on there. And remember that a pure heart, one that's following God, results in a life that's really not all that amazing. It's a life that doesn't garner power or praise or possession. It's a life that releases heaven's power on earth through simple, basic, good Jesus ways. Imagine the simplicity of a nation of followers of Jesus spread across the world epitomizing lives of sacrifice and submission and grace. Living in ways that reflect that how the game is played is more important than winning the game. Where wealth is unrelated to the quality of life. That the greater good is better than any good that's good for me, that a prayer in secret is more valuable than a public donation, that politicians aren't expected to be saviors, that keeping my word is more valuable than my success, that nothing ever justifies a lie of any degree, where consequences are embraced as the path to better, where hypocrisy is unacceptable in my own life, where bad business and bad character are never overlooked for the sake of convenience, where violence is never met with violence, where opposing views are unthreatening, where speaking well of opponents is genuine, where helping an enemy in need would be respected, where unethical means never justifies the best of ends, where leaders confess wrongdoing and invite correction, when where difficulty, even tragedy, cannot dash eternal hope. None of this is fancy. It's all very simple. It's Jesus' way. Imagine what it would be like if the people of God went about their lives devoted to Jesus 
in simple ways. And finally, what we learn from the baby is that the past is important. They said the Messiah is the baby, and they knew it because they looked at their prophets who wrote about it. We see Jesus in part by what's happened and what's been said in the past. We say devoted to Jesus as king when we remember testimonies, ours, others, scripture. Don't ever forget what God has done. Immerse yourself in the scriptures. Have older believers in your life celebrate what God has done. Your heart's probably divided and committed to somebody or something other than Jesus if it's anxious, if it's living in secret, if it's hypocritical. You're on the right path if you're comfortable with some uncertainty and you're generous and you can embrace mystery. And when you think of that baby, to keep your heart online, remember what he's done for you. Remember the gospel. Remember the eternal security we have with our faith in him. Remember that he's, his call in this life is rather simple. And remember who is king by remembering what he's done, the testimonies that we have. I want to wrap up with a statement here. I'm going to read a psalm first for you. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David was one of the kings whose heart was devoted to God. And he demonstrates a willingness to look at his own heart, to be searched. And he's willing to abandon the wrong kings and to be led by the everlasting one. The gift of a fully devoted heart is a gift you never stop giving in greater and greater degrees during your life. Our hearts will never be fully devoted, but they can become more fully devoted. And the more you give, the more you'll know and experience the presence and the joy and the strength of God. The more you give your heart to him, the more you will know him. Thank you for joining us this morning. Appreciate you being a part of this online community. Please come and join with us this Thursday for Christmas Eve.